nervous about staying overnight at a Walmart for the first time? Don't be. We're going to give you all the tips and tricks and the rules to make sure you're doing it safely and respectfully on this week's episode of RV Miles. Hey everybody and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 22 of the RV Miles podcast. If you want to get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash episode 22. You can also follow RV Miles on social media. We are at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I, as we travel around the country with our three boys, we are also at ourwanderingfamily.com, and we are on Instagram. Twitter, and Facebook. On this episode, we are going to talk about one of our favorite destinations that we've been to. We touched on, we touched on it on the first episode. The first Very briefly, episode. the Buffalo National River, one of our nation's wild and scenic rivers. It's the, actually the first national river in this country. Yeah, we were so excited with that first podcast that we just threw like everything in the kitchen sink into it. And we realized that we really didn't give the appropriate time to a couple of the national parks that are inside the wonderful state of Arkansas. So why not revisit them and really give them their their time in the spotlight? We're also going to cover what people sort of call wall docking, (laughs) boondocking out of Walmart or Cracker Barrel or some of the other different places that you can stop for an overnight and park on the road. And there's a lot of trepidation from people about doing that and what are the rules we're going to cover all the rules and but before we do that do people really call it wall docking like is that a legit (laughs) but what if you're not at walmart what if you choose to go to cracker barrel is it crack docking (laughs) yeah come up with a word for that (laughs) boon barrel like (laughs) this could go on all day like this might be my new favorite game now (laughs) So, all right, well, I'm glad we've established all these little nicknames for everything. But first, before we even get into that, we have some kind of exciting news, I think. Well, the the state of Nevada has sort of put out a list of all the cool new things to do in Nevada this year. So we wrote an article about that. And uh, and there are a lot of cool new things coming this year or have already started in Nevada. So yeah, get me to Nevada. Uh, one of the one of the major ones being is two new state parks have opened up in Nevada. It's always exciting when new land is being set aside, yeah. designated, and safe. The Walker River State Recreation Area was developed on three former ranch properties near East Walker River and spans twelve thousand acres. And then there's the Ice Age Fossils State Park in North Las Vegas. It's three hundred fifteen acres of land. It's uh, it's surrounded by the recently created Tool Springs Fossil Bed National Monument, which is managed by the National Park Service. But this is a state park but that's sort is. of attached to that. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of like Indiana Dunes National yeah. Lakeshore. But then you can camp at the Indiana Dunes State Park. So I'm excited. Plus, you also said the words North Las Vegas. Yeah. So that tells me that perhaps there's some state park camping close to the Las Vegas area now and maybe there's more i don't know a whole lot about camping in 
Nevada, but I'm figuring, you yeah, know, we haven't hit Nevada yet. And we're no, looking but forward to doing that. Soon. I'm figuring a little time on the strip and then I'll <laughs> go back to my ice age fossil campground. <laughs> well, and people forget that Nevada is, a, is a wildly diverse natural state. You've got the Southwest atmosphere of the Las Vegas area and the desert. And then you've got like Tahoe and you know, I know. you've got skiing. It's gorgeous. And, and I'm really excited for us to head that way after the first of the year, because obviously, as I think we've mentioned the last few podcasts, we're still hanging. We're hanging tough here in the uh, Kansas City area. So I'm excited to head southwest once the holidays pass. Yeah. Some other things that that are coming in into Nevada, there's the Cowboy Arts and Gear Museum. It's going to be in Elko, Nevada. That sounds really cool to me. Western arts like leather stamping, rawhide braiding, silver engraving, things like that. I think that's cool. Oh, I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) The Neon Museum in Las Vegas, you know, that cool place where you can see all of the old neon signs down and up close. They've expanded and have put 30 new signs on display from with some recent property that they've added on. This is something cool that that I'm really interested in doing. There is a, a sort of foodie road trip that you can do, a culinary-themed road trip around the Reno area called Reno Bites. Sign me up. <laughs> and it is a 218-mile loop route that takes hungry travelers through Fallon, Carson City, Carson Valley, State Line, Incline Village, and back to the biggest little city, Reno. And it's sort of a self-guided thing. You can go to travelnevada.com and get the itinerary and do it on your own. It is so hard for me to say or hear the name Reno without thinking about Reno 911. Such a good show. Such a good show. And I can't, I want to go to Reno just for a lot of reasons, but really also because that show made me want to (laughs) go to Reno. So if you check this article out on RV Miles, there's a whole lot of other stuff happening, especially around the Las Vegas area. Obviously, there's some professional sports teams coming to Las Vegas and and it's going to become a major sporting town. You've got the, they just announced that there's a, a WNBA team coming. The San Antonio Stars are relocating to Las Vegas. And that comes behind the announcements of the NHL Vegas Golden Knights. And then, of course, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Raiders are moving to Las mm-hmm. Vegas. So it's all of a sudden going to become a massive sports town where it never was before. I don't know what California is going to do with having only what now two football the, the, teams under their teams. state belt. Still free. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with themselves. They're fine. Yes, they'll be fine. <laughs> all right. So check that article out on rvmiles.com and we'll link to it in the show notes. When we come back, we're going to talk about wall docking. <laughs> Boon Barrel. <laughs> I can't even say it. Boon Barrel is like this. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah, you're going to have to edit some of that out. Abby. Jason. Hit us with last week's brain teaser. You got it. All right. Travel a mile and I change. Travel a million and I end up where I started. 
And the answer, of course, is an odometer. Of course. Yes. And we had a lot of correct answers sent into us this week. We did. It was fun. And thanks to everyone for not giving it away on Facebook for emailing. That was cool. And the winner this week is Mandy Jefferson from Alabama. And we will be sending you, Mandy, a RV Miles bumper sticker. I love these RV Miles bumper stickers or decals. However, you, I don't know what the trendy thing is to call them now. I think it's like decals, right? Like, sure. Isn't same, that same thing? Whatever. whatever. You don't have to put it on your bumper. So <laughs> no. I guess it's not a bumper sticker. No, you can it's put it. It's a sticker. And, yeah, it's a, it's a sticker. sticker. Let's call it a sticker. It's a sticker. I'm glad we've decided that in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> All right. We will have the new brain teaser at the end of the show. So in this segment, we wanted to talk about parking at Walmarts or Cracker Barrels. Spoon or Barrel. <laughs> wall docking. That's never going to get old. Essentially free parking overnight. And that's what it is. It's parking. It's not camping. You're not setting out your, you know, your grill and your rug and all that. You are parking at a generally a business or a rest stop or truck stop overnight. Yeah, I look at it as just a stop in between the place you were coming from and the place you're trying to get to. Yeah, it's a it's it's a short term solution. It's a one night thing to get you by for the night. And some of these businesses encourage it. Some of them, you know, don't. So get off my yeah. lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk first about the place where you don't have to ask permission. And that is a rest stop. Yes. The road. Rest stops are very controversial among RVers because a lot of RVers say you're taking a spot from a trucker who needs it. And I believe that's true. That's a valid point to be made for sure. Truckers can't park at campgrounds and it's it's difficult for them to find places to stay and we need them to be sleeping so that they're safe on the road. There are also rules sometimes about staying at rest stops in certain states. There might be a four hour maximum stay. There might be a no overnight parking rule. So you need to be careful about that. And I think rest stops are probably something only to be used in emergencies. You know? Yeah, that's where I put it on the list of like free overnight yeah, if you, through stops. your your campground, they close the gates early or something or and you, you can't get a hold of anybody and there's no one to let you in and you need somewhere and you suddenly got sick and can't make it as far as you were going to go. The weather is bad. Those are reasons to stay at a rest stop. If you have a class B or something that's going to fit on the a van, on the car side of the of the rest stop, mm-hmm. then then there's no problem unless it's illegal. But if it's legal, then I don't see a problem with it as long as you're not taking up a spot for trucks. But we've all seen trucks parked all the way down the on-ramp and the off-ramp of the rest area overnight. And it's tough for them. Absolutely. So that's the first place. The second place is... Truck stops. Speaking of trucks. (laughs) Similar deal. It's a place where truckers park overnight. Again, I think you can use it in the case of an emergency, but... If you're, if it's not an emergency, you might be taking a spot from a trucker. Now, if the truck stop isn't busy, then no problem. But know this, it's going to be loud. Trucks pack in real tight there. They sometimes run their engines all night, or if they have a generator, they're running that all night. It's bright, it's noisy, and sometimes not safe. Same thing with rest stops, sometimes not safe. But 
I think it depends more of the area that you're in than the actual establishment establishment. itself. I think that that's probably, yeah, that's the blanket statement to be made across the board. Every situation should be taken on a space by space basis. Not all locations are going to be equal. So just keep that in mind as you're traveling along and planning your route and wanting to utilize one of these potential options as an overnight for you. But again, I don't want to scare anyone away either, because I think the it's not safe argument is a, is the low percentage yeah. of places. Like, I just feel that's important to also put out there. Yeah, be look, safe, you stay at be a Walmart, smart. You, you're, you're staying somewhere where they probably have overnight security. There's, there's Especially if it's a 24-hour Walmart. There's lights on in the parking lot. There's security cameras. It's, it's safe, you know, for the most part, if you're not in a dangerous area or if there's dangerous people around. But you're in an RV. You can get up and go anytime and move on to somewhere that is safe. So let's talk about staying at a Walmart or some of these other locations like Cracker Barrel and Cabela's. Cabela's Outdoor World. I've heard some people stay at Lowe's now and then. So what you do when you go to one of these places is figure out, first of all, if they allow it. It's going to vary. Walmarts, I'd say about half of them allow overnight parking. A lot of it has to do with the municipal regulations from the city, town or county that they're in. Uh, but Walmart as a company encourages it. Sam Walton was an RVer and they want you to come and stay and utilize their business and and buy stuff from them. So they definitely encourage that you do it. But you do need to find out if it's one of the Walmarts that's available to you. So the way we do that is we go online and look at on a website like Allstays or one of the other sort of campground review websites that list Walmarts. Some of them do, some of them don't. And they're going to tell you if people have had success staying at that Walmart or if they haven't. And some people will tell you, you need to call in advance. I don't like to call in advance because I think that's, I don't know. I think that's annoying if a Walmart's getting a dozen calls a day from, from RVers. Yeah. You can just look online and get a pretty good idea whether or not people have had success at that Walmart, then get there and go in and just talk to the customer service desk or ask to talk to the manager on duty. Yeah. Because it it is important to go in when you get there because you want to know where they want you to park. They might want you to park in a certain location. And uh, it's always good to just get there and to check in. And that should be across the board for any, for Cabela's, for Cracker Barrel. Go in and talk to someone once you're parked, just so you make sure you're in a place that they want you to be in. If that scares you, if like not knowing in advance whether you're going to 100% be able to park at this Walmart, maybe this kind of overnight is not for you. You know, we we always make sure that we know, Okay, there's another Walmart 10 minutes down the road. There's a campground nearby that we could go to if we needed to. There are options for us to stay at, because even if you get permission, you might arrive at a Walmart and find out it's not going to work out for you. If possible, try not to arrive at these places really late, like let's say after 10 o'clock, just because if for any reason You can't stay at that particular Walmart or that particular Cabela's. You need to have a backup plan. And if that backup plan has to include a campground, you're going to have a really hard time getting in after the gates close. You know, just make sure that eight, nine or any time before the campground in and around you closes and you need to go to, because what might end up happening then is you find yourself in a hotel for a night. And then that just became an even more expensive 
pass through destination stop. And hotels are an option, you know, you can stay in their parking lot and pay for a room. They're usually cool with that. They have no (laughs) issue with that. You don't have to, you don't have to get an expensive hotel if you're not going to go into the room. Nope. Absolutely. (laughs) You can even use the room to shower or something like that. There you go. Anyway, there are some rules to staying at a Walmart or other places like that overnight. And the escapees organization, along with the FMCA and about a dozen other RV travel groups have come up with together a joint good neighbor policy. And this is a a list of rules of etiquette to follow when you stay at a place like this so that we're not spoiling it, so that we're not creating a situation where these businesses aren't happy with RVers and decide that they're going to revoke this privilege from us. Well, I think it helps too for everyone just to have expectations that we can all look at and all know across the board so that everyone kind of knows what they're getting into going into it. So the first rule is to stay one night only. Take that as there. there's a reason that's rule number one. I always laugh that <laughs> something had to happen where a collection of people were like, the very first thing we put on this list is to remind people that they should only stay one night. Well, and we've seen it. We've seen it at Walmarts in, in areas that we're, you know, if we're staying at the campground, we might visit, we might drive by the same Walmart a few times and we've seen the same RVs parked there. That looks familiar. A, a few times. <laughs> Wasn't that there yesterday? And, and especially when it's like a fifth wheel that's got the truck detached and gone. Yeah. And they've just left. They're, they've just left their trailer there and they're out exploring during the day. It's bold. It's not bold. a campground and, and that's not the purpose. It is an overnight parking spot. So number one, stay one night. Number two, obtain permission from a qualified individual, as we've already mentioned. Number three, obey posted regulations. There might be signs that say no overnight parking and those might be, you know, city regulations that are nearby the the city might be requiring that Walmart to put up those signs. So even if you see RVers parking overnight, maybe the business is okay with it, but maybe it's also against the law. So you have to decide for yourself whether you you might be okay with it because the business is, and you don't care if you're breaking the law, but. Are you feeling wild that night <laughs> when you, you pull in? <laughs> Number four, no awnings, chairs, or barbecue grills. And I'll add to that anything that makes it look like you're camping outside. You know, don't put out a rug. Don't be hanging out outside. Yeah, don't anything use your that outdoor you TV. Have, anything that you have to put outside when you get to your campground, you cannot put in the Walmart parking lot. You can't do it. <laughs> the goal is to look like you're just parked. People post photos online all the time in these RV groups of people parking out at Walmarts. And, and we do not and like shame RV. Them. No RV shaming. Yeah. Please, no RV shaming. But there's this one that we saw that <laughs> somebody had actually made a campfire <laughs> on the pavement of the Walmart parking lot. I mean, that is such <laughs> not a good idea, but I absolutely tip my hat to the individual who was brave enough to be like, I need a campfire at this Walmart. My <laughs> evening is not complete until I am sitting oh, by a fire. Guys. I mean, that is just, it's a very, very brave individual. Brave or, well, or I'm just, couldn't care about other people's <laughs> Doesn't opinions. have to, to give <laughs> that person. <laughs> the next rule is to not use your hydraulic jacks or, or any sort of stabilizing jacks. 
that you might have on asphalt because it can create dents and damage the asphalt. So leave your trailer hooked up to your truck and stay in it without putting your jacks down overnight. And you're gonna have to deal with the fact that you might not be level. Most parking lots are level, of course, but you might not be perfectly level. And if you can't handle that, then maybe this isn't for you. Number six, always leave the area cleaner than you found it. Golden rule for wherever you go. Number seven, purchase gas, food, or supplies as a form of thank you when feasible. I will always go purchase a Cracker Barrel breakfast, given the opportunity. <laughs> like, no joke. Give me some biscuits and gravy right now. And number eight, be safe. Always beware of your surroundings and leave if you feel unsafe. Remember, you have wheels. You can leave if you need to. So those are the official sanctioned good neighbor RV industry policies. There are a few unwritten rules that people like to argue quite a bit about on the internet. Yeah, we call these the internet rules because somehow they show up on the internet and become a rule. <laughs> <laughs> Number one is don't use your generator. And um, we're back and forth on this a little bit. And I think, you know, I, I'm I'm all for it. Abby's a little against the, the Jason's more team generator and I'm more team non-generator. <laughs> but, but the answer is really sort of in the middle. It, it's okay to use your generator when you need to. You might have medical equipment. You might have you might have a CPAP machine. You might have young children or elderly people that need to be, you know, kept at a at a comfortable temperature. And uh and that's okay. But if you're okay with sleeping in 80 degree weather, don't run your generator. You don't need to. You can run it to make dinner. If you need it, use it. If you want it, don't use it. Yeah, absolutely. The The next rule that people love to argue about is whether or not you can use your slides. Can't we all just get along <laughs> on this one? So let me tell you this. No Walmart gives a hoot about whether you put your slides out or not. They no, know they you're an RV. They know you've got slides. Some people need to have a slide or two out in order to access their sleeping area. Yeah, or or even their bathroom or their kitchens yep. on, some, on some of these more compact RVs. And that's okay. But to add to that, we, again, want to look like we're parking and not like we're camping. So if you've got a big class A with six slides on it, Really think about, do I need all these slides or how far do these slides need to go out? Can I just put the slide out a few inches to be able to access the things I need to access to go to bed? Yeah, maybe it. the bedtime slide doesn't come out until right before you need right. to go to sleep. Absolutely. So those are sort of the rules for overnighting at a Walmart. It's not for everybody, uh, but it is a good option if you are just wanting to make a quick overnight stop off of the interstate and not drive another 30 miles to a campground somewhere. Absolutely. Wall docking, boon barrel. I don't have one for Cabela's yet. I'm going to have to come up with that or Lowe's. I'm going to have to think on that. <laughs> We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss one of our favorite aquatic destinations in the country, the Buffalo National River. Be right back. So 
So the Buffalo National River is a place where Abby grew up going to year after year after year. And I had my first experience with this year when she took us over the 4th of July week uh, and along with some family. And a lot of rain. And a lot of I rain. I invited an entire thunderstorm. More rain than we've ever experienced in our lives. I think, I mean, it was yes. like five days of like buckets being poured on us. I thought we were going to need to build a boat <laughs> in order to actually float us all out of this place and at of, one point. And of course we're staying in the bus, but our family was using our tent, which our, our nice big Agnes tent held up really well. It did, man. I, it was a rock star tent, but I did not envy them. And, no, and the ground no. was so muddy. I know my mom, <laughs> my mom is not a camper. She had, many, many years ago. It's like an epic story I won't go into, but we had a camping trip at the Buffalo, which was my parents and a bunch of other family members. And we had a, a water rain issue and my mom swore off camping for the rest of her adult life. And this was her first return to the Buffalo, not staying in a cabin, but staying in a tent. And uh, clearly she's never going to do it again because the same rain issues happened only this time. At least all of her clothes stayed dry and she didn't have to go and track down a laundromat. But it was definitely a very rainy experience. Not quite the experience I had hoped to share with my husband and my kids. But, but a we, lot of fun nonetheless. It's absolutely. a wonderful area. You can't get over the views. Even the views shrouded in rain and clouds are still amazing views. So the Buffalo is, it's one of the few remaining undammed rivers in the country. And it, it flows northwest, which is a little, when you're trying to figure out where you are and what you're watching the river flow, it's a little odd to some people that it's it flows up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But... um. It's big cavernous cliff sides and uh, beautiful streams that offshoot the river that lead up to springs, natural, you know, freezing, freezing cold, cold springs. springs. To me, it is what I envision when I think of the Ozark region. Yeah, it is quintessential right. Ozarks. I also grew up going to Branson, Missouri with my mom's family and shepherd of the hills and silver dollar city. And to me, those images are so associated with the Buffalo National River and just that entire region. And the Buffalo is only about an hour and a half, two hours from Branson. So that can be a part of your trip as well. Which was always something that it was for us. Like you go to the Buffalo and then on the way home back up to Kansas City, you stop for a few days in Branson. So the Buffalo River area is managed by the National Park Service. Yes. And it is it is remote. Uh, you will be unplugged. Yeah, there is. Absolutely. The nearest town is Yellville, and it's about a half hour away. There are services near nearby of like convenience store type places, but that's all you're going to get. And you're going to pay convenience store prices. And there is no cell service anywhere. We had people with AT&T. Sprint and Verizon. Nobody had nobody was cell service anything uh, until I drove a good at least fifteen minutes out to get one bar. And that was the first time since we went full time where we had to set the away message on our work inboxes because we just had absolutely no way to work, and that was so free. Yeah, and thankfully it was a holiday. But <laughs> yeah, I mean it was over Fourth of July, so you know 
it was a little slow. Press releases weren't flying at us, but it was kind of really freeing to not pick up the phone for days. Like we just were inside the park, inside nature, spending time as a family. It was awesome. Now, if that stresses you out, like <laughs> this may not be the destination for you. But if you really, really want the opportunity to unplug and reconnect, put this place on your list for sure. There are hikes that you can take. Uh, you can certainly go out and go to some scenic overlooks and explore the nature. Plenty but of caves that you can hike to. Really, the main attraction is floating down the river. Oh, and yeah. You got to float. If you're going <laughs> to the Buffalo, you have to float. If you've never done a river float, this is a it, this is a popular thing in sort of the lower Midwest, the Missouri and Arkansas areas. In we particular. love our floating. <laughs> so, it, you know, if you're a canoer from Michigan or Minnesota or Wisconsin, this is not that type of canoeing. Uh, we don't paddle. <laughs> no, we are floating the buffalo. We are chilling. We, we are right. This is a real relaxed taking in the scenery, chatting with your neighbors, canoes side by side, like sort of experience. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, you don't have to have a lot of experience doing it. You can if you've never canoed before, you can you can rent a canoe and get in and go down the river. You're not going to be hitting rapids or anything like that. Uh, as long as you know that you check the the river conditions in advance and the places you'll rent canoes from, I'll tell you all that. But you can go down if you have kayaks, you can go down in your own kayak. If you can, there are float trips that you just go down in an inner tube. Uh, along yeah, the river. this was a really, I think this was the highlight. Like Jason had said, we had rain almost nonstop. We were only there for maybe about 12 hours before it just started raining and it just didn't stop until our very last day we got a break and it wasn't super sunny or warm. I mean, and this is July and we were at no time were we just uncontrollably no, sweating. Yeah, July thankfully. in Arkansas gets a yeah. little hot. <laughs> yeah. But we did have dry conditions that allowed us to canoe on the last day, Jason and I, and then my brother and his fiance. And this was the first time that Jason and I had ever done anything like this together. We had both taken canoe trips yes. before and we both taken canoe trips with relatives before. And we know that canoe trips cause divorces. <laughs> they do. Canoe they also cause trauma in long children young children. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason's canoe trips seem to have been very successful in their attempt to get from point A to point B without tipping over. My canoe trips growing up were the complete opposite. I always ended up with the people who just tipped and tipped and tipped and tipped <laughs> the whole trip. So it had been quite many years since I had been in a canoe because I was just like, I can't, I, I can't fall into the water anymore in this Buffalo. And but we didn't tip once. We didn't tip but once. But you know what? We got out and swam. I mean, you got to, you, you're, the water's like two feet deep at the max. In uh, some places, it's much less. No. Now, there are There are places where it's, yes, of where it's very deep. And those were the sections where I was thinking, please don't let us tip over. But you're wearing a life jacket. It's still, it's swimming. It's it's okay. You know? I know. But I am a, the person that, you know, I have a really big, like, snake phobia. <laughs> like, this is, this is an intense phobia. And there were a couple of times when there were, were some water snakes on yeah. the river. And I was like, if we fall into this 
they're going to all come in and attack me. Yeah. That was my paranoia. But they're not. But they didn't. And, and for the most part, you can see the bottom, you know, yes. along, along the way. So you can see if you're if you're one of those people that is a little bit paranoid about what's underneath the water. As I am. <laughs> you can see the bottom of the river and it's, yes. you know. But it was a, a beautiful trip. We rented a canoe from Durst, which is where you and your family have been renting for years. And they've yes. been around for like 50 years or something like that. D-I-R-S-T. And we took their trip from Monmi to... Dillard's Ferry. Nine and a half miles. It's supposed to take about six hours. It took us a little less because of all the rain. The river was moving a little bit faster, but... Not fast that it's like scary or anything. No, like and that. we stopped a lot too. Like there were definitely places to pull off and have lunch or do a little swimming. And we found a little like few streams that were running off from the main river that we explored a little bit. And so we we took our time and still even taking our time, the river was moving fast enough to kind of clip us along. So what you do is you go to one of these canoe rental places and there are a whole bunch of them. They have permits to operate along the river. And they, you pay your fee, you can make reservations in advance, but you know, this was 4th of July, which is a a busy week and we were the only ones on the book. So yeah, well, it's because it had been raining. Maybe it was because of the rain. A lot of people canceled their trips as well, I guess. So yes, it absolutely was because of the weather. If you are going to go during peak season, you must make a reservation. But most of these places, if you do make a reservation, they do have a rain out policy and mm-hmm. allow you to move to another day. So you, and Durst does. So if you go to a place like Durst, you pay your fee and then you drive to where the canoe trip is going to end. So this was this bridge at Dillard's Ferry where, where most of the trips end. So you, you park your car there and then they pick you up in a van or a bus and take you to the beginning of your trip with your canoe and drop you in the water and you float on down and you end the trip at your car. So you just pull the canoe out of the water, leave it there, and you can get in your car and head back to the campground, which is, you know, super cool because you don't have to have somebody come pick you up or anything like that. It is. And that Dillard's Ferry ends pretty close to the campgrounds inside the park. So it's not really that far of a drive for you to head back. Yeah. So we stayed at the Buffalo Point campground, which is the main campground. There are two campgrounds along the river, but this is the one that the National Park Service operates that has water and electric. There won't be any sewer, uh, but they do have a dump station uh, and, and water and electric. There are other campgrounds in the area, but not right on the river. They're private campgrounds. No, and I can't on the river. And this is it's really worth it. I can't recommend this campground enough. Like this is the campground that I grew up going to. There's several different loops. The one we stayed in, Loop C, I have very fond memories of the same with Loop B. Like for me to go to this park is such a visceral experience because I see my grandparents, I see my aunts and uncles, and I can't imagine not staying inside the park. Also, because you're so close to the main swimming hole when you stay in these loops. And the main swimming hole is just this big, giant bluff. And yeah, and it's a bend in the river. Yes. So what you can do, and you're on the, the campground is on the inside of the bend. So what you can do is you can go to upriver side and and get in with a you know a inner tube or whatever 
blow up floatable thing you have and you can float down to the other side, which is a lot of fun. And if I can say too about that, like be really careful. Now, when we were there, it is a river with a current that bend had some pull to it and there was an undercurrent and there was, I have grown up knowing I have at least two or three stories in which situations occurred that people were not being mindful that the river, it moves and it'll take you right with you. Yeah. It'll take you right with it. (laughs) (laughs) The campground. So it has the, I think ABC, there might be a D loop. I can't remember, but the A loop is a first come first serve. And I have to caution you. If you have a big rig, it is not, the first come first serve no. loop is not a place for big ribs, big rigs. It's very hilly and the sites are small. I accidentally took the wrong turn down oh into the gosh, A loop. Yes. And uh I was not comfortable driving our bus through the A loop, not even parking in one of the spots. <laughs> I really and I'm pretty comfortable parking driving our bus pretty much everywhere. So I really recommend if you have a bigger RV that you try to get into the B loop and some sections in the C loop. The C loop goes kind of up a hill and around. Yeah. It's kind of laid out similar to what the A loop is. And you're going to have limits once it starts going up and around. Yeah. But those sites, up, this, those sites that are on the hillier areas, they're kind of tiered, which is cool too. I kind of like they're that. They're really, really cool. They're just short. Yeah. But uh, the, the B loop is going to be closer to the swimming hole hole and a, a shorter walk to to be able to just go jump in the in the river which is nice but even in the sea loop we were we were along the river it's just not the main yeah. swimming hole, so we could walk right down to it i mean our site was we could see the river through the trees behind our site every site inside the park is a beautiful campground and you know the bed the shore along the river it's just it's all rocks so make sure you bring swimming shoes. You're going to want swimming shoes. Yeah, it's not sandy beaches. But talk right. about like the best place to have a rock skipping contest. Oh, my gosh. Man, we had some epic yeah. showdowns. And I grew up watching my older relatives have like epic showdowns with one another in that water. So the Buffalo River is is a fantastic getaway in, again, another great destination in the Midwest. People forget that there are National Park Service destinations in the Midwest. And if you have uh, a senior pass or an access pass, you can get half price of camping here. It's $22 normally. Uh, And we can't recommend it enough. It's one of our favorite places. Arkansas is such a beautiful state in general. Everywhere you go there is Well, there's two National Park Service sites inside Arkansas, both offer incredible views, incredible experiences, both with nature and then, you know, with the hot springs, with sort of like the social side of interacting with nature and both places, I would jump in the bus right now and head back to them. They were just so enjoyable. We might just have to do that. We just might, hon. All right. Let's wrap this up with this week's brain teaser. All right, here we go. It's a short one, but it stumped Jason. Give me food and I will live. Give me water and I will die. What am I? (laughs) If you know the answer to this week's brain teaser, shoot us an email over at editor at rvmiles.com and let us know. And 
Also, while you're at it, while you're on the interwebs, we would love it if you would share the podcast around with your social media circles or tell a friend or tell a stranger when you're standing in line at the grocery store, whatever. Word of mouth is how we're growing and we are so thankful for that. Also, don't forget to head over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a five-star review if you'd like. All those things mean so much to us. So thank you for listening this week. We will see you next week. Keep plugging those RV miles. Bye. Bye.